and welcome to the Virtually Confident podcast. I'm Esther Stanhope, the Impact Guru, and this is the podcast where I always say this, you only need to be 80% perfect to, to join in. And it's all about confidence tips, confidence in the remote world, confidence on camera, when you've lost your confidence, when you've found your confidence, and you're always going to walk away with tips and things that you can apply to your everyday life. And my guests are amazing. And today's guests, oh my goodness. Does she know about confidence? It's Liu Batchelor, and she is a TEDx curator. So she has done a TEDx talk herself, and she has helped all kinds of people struggle with their inner demons to get out there and share their ideas. So let me welcome to the studio a virtual round of applause. It's Liu Batchelor. <laughs> Hello. Hello Liu. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank and you. This is called virtually confident because um, over the you know since COVID since COVID nineteen you know we've been in a virtual world right. Yeah. But we're actually, we are in the same studio. <laughs> oh, yay! And then so we're nice. kind of like, it's quite new for us. It's a bit of a novelty. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure when you're listening to this now, it's maybe the next normal has happened. And maybe you're <laughs> sitting there and you're like, what are they talking about? But for us, it's still quite a novelty having a human being in yep. the room. So how are you, Liu? How have you been dealing with the virtual world? Yeah, it's been it's been all right. It's definitely an adjustment, isn't it? And I think there's that balance of it's very nice to be able to have that time, isn't it? And to to work through our ideas. And I feel like we we've all gone more into our introverted selves, haven't we? Which is benefits to that and those ideas can brew but I definitely have missed that interaction with people and bouncing ideas off and two sides of it and that extroverted side I think definitely is um, needing a little bit of a run around so we're getting that today which is really nice. That's so you're absolutely right and if you can feel the energy in the room just because there's yeah. human beings in it. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've even got Neil there on sound. Hi Neil, he's there <laughs> with his mask on and we are taking precautions if, in case you're wondering. Um, so, Leo, you, you're a TV presenter. Your your background is engineering. Is that right? Yes. So I studied design engineering. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of a, a funny route to get where I am now. But um, that's part of the fun. And I'm but sure we'll come on to it. <laughs> I love what you've been doing, though. because you, So your background's engineering. So you can talk about very technical topics. But also you love tra traveling. And you did a travel yeah. show, didn't you? I did, yeah. So I did a travel series called, um, one called It's More Fun in the Philippines and one uh, about the Black Forest. And that was amazing. Yeah. And that was kind of, I guess, probably one of my first big kind of breaks, really. So to go out and and to just be able to share my passion and, and to be excited and, and share that inspiration with other people just by enjoying it myself is kind of, for me, what, what presenting is all about and why it's so exciting. But you haven't always been that confident on camera, have no, you? Or no, no, not at all. So tell me about your confidence level. So first of all, now you're very confident yeah. um, in the virtual world because you're doing your TEDx, um, you're creating your events and you've had to do virtual events as well yeah. as live events. So, you know, in terms of your confidence levels, you're probably a nine out of ten. Uh, I don't know. I I kind of feel like I'm I'm not, it's not that I'm really confident, I'm just comfortable being unconfident if that makes sense you know that feeling of unconfidence and I'm used to going you know what I'm going to do it anyway even though I'm you know beeping myself you know about, <laughs> about out of my comfort zone. yeah I'm out of my comfort zone um and doing it anyway so I'd say I tell you what I, I really like the the is it is it confidence no it's bravery and courage the, this brilliant definition so bravery the definition of bravery is you don't feel any fear 
the definition of courage is you feel the fear, but you act anyway. And for me, and that was the theme for our second TEDx event, actually, was, you know what? I am scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. And like that's the Susan Jeffers book. Yeah. Feel the fear. Yeah. And do it anyway. Exactly, exactly. So I'd say that's where I am at. I'm used to the feeling of being scared. So that's that's the key. N- not trying to ever get rid of the fear. Because fear, fear and it isn't it? I think there's something about it, isn't there? The, the feeling, the physical chemicals of fear and excitement are the same thing. It's just how we interpret it. Absolutely. You can get all of those those chemicals in your body and make them all go in the same direction and you yeah. can change. And also it's about breathing as well. So when you're excited, <laughs> you're breathing like that. Yeah. Right. But what happens when you're when you're excited, you're breathing like mm. when you're scared, you go yeah. and you stop. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Can about breathe. it's excitement with some breathing yeah. thrown in for good measure. Definitely. <laughs> and as you know, I've written my book about the fear of public speaking. You yeah. know, one of the main ingredients to be able to unlock that fear and turn it into excitement is just breathe. Mm. And I'm sure you've told all the <laughs> speakers to breathe. I can't wait to hear the tips. But first of all, let's just talk about your confidence. You, we, we were talking earlier about I wasn't born confident. Okay, mm. so I've worked at the BBC. I've been a senior producer helping people in my career. Yeah. I really didn't feel very confident in front of the camera mm-hmm. and I didn't like anything to do with reading aloud or auto cues because when I was six, and I, and I wrote it in my book, Goodbye Glossophobia, when I was six years old, I froze in front of my class because the the teacher asked me to to read aloud and I couldn't read. Yeah. Those words and those letters didn't make any sense to me, even though I I think I could read if I was on my own. But when I had to stand up and read that book aloud, I couldn't see those letters and words and I couldn't get the words out and I froze. So I thought I couldn't read and that was the interpretation then. So then I was put into a a special reading group and, you know, I was put in... It was like I had a problem. It was like I had a learning um, disability. And actually, I think it was dyslexia, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't invented when I was at school. So I I just kind of cheat. I I feel like I've spent my whole life cheating, (laughs) you know, because, oh, it's okay. I'll just quickly cram. I'll I'll quickly do it so I remember the words. I'll never have to read it aloud. (laughs) I can just remember the whole... And I remember paragraphs of... Of, of wow. text, um, you know, but I'd kind of find a way of cheating. But but you had a similar experience, I did. didn't you? Yeah, so I hate, yeah, same thing. Reading out loud in English classes, like from the book that whatever we were studying, was my worst nightmare. And for me, kind of similar to you, but I... My, I try and read ahead. I was worried about being able to read. So I try and look ahead to because I was like trying to rush through it. And as a result, I'd skip words or I'd miss or I'd completely misread a word and say something completely random. And so the teacher would always be correcting me on, no, it's this word because I just make something up um, <laughs> because I was too busy worrying. So I was ahead. And yeah, that was they used to some some classes they used to pick people at random and some people they used to go through the alphabet or, or the register and oh knowing that I was coming up or that I could come up at any point be picked on to read was the worst thing ever and I think even today you know I'm still not a massive fan like I remember the first time I had to do auto cue like professionally <laughs> and it was like so nerve-wracking but I got through it and it's just and like you said it's breathing and just slowing down and I'm, as you can probably tell from how I'm talking, I'm quite a fast, like, I get excited. So it's just naturally I just rush through things because of energy and excitement a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, that was a big thing, reading out loud and and also sharing 
you know, on a wider a sense, just sharing ideas in general. Like I remember as a kid, I always had, I, I did a lot of drawing. I was very creative as a kid and I had lots of, my mum always used to say, I wish I could see Leo's thought bubble because she was like, she could tell I had stuff going on in my head and I couldn't articulate it. And, you know, I remember a number of times being excited about an idea or it might've been just something simple like a drawing or something I wanted to go and do that I thought would be fun. And I couldn't articulate it to my parents. And the, you know that look on someone's face, and we get it as adults as well, when someone goes, what? What the hell are you talking about? I, I don't get it. That sort of thing was like a, a stake in my heart of that means you think my idea is bad or you think I'm bad. And just making myself so wrong that I couldn't, it was my fault that I couldn't articulate it. And since then, I, kind of growing up, I, I've come to realise, oh, maybe it was because, yeah, well, ideas are really hard to express and you know, if you've got an idea for a painting, you can't articulate it because it's intangible. But trying to express it, and and as a result, I I kind of went, well, I'm going to do my idea anyway, and but I'm going to keep it to myself, and I'm not going to tell. And it was kind of a little bit of a, I'm going to show you, like you didn't get it, but I'm going to show you, and it's going to be amazing. So it did make me very hardworking, and I always, and I'm very good at delivering on. If I've got a project, I'll make it work. But I kind of. It, it's quite lonely doing ideas on your own. <laughs> doing ideas. On yeah. Your ideas. Do you know what? I think what you're talking about there, I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Mm. So first of all, I'm going I'm to pick up on some of the themes that, yep. that you've, that, that, you know, my, my head's going ding-a-ling-a-ling. <laughs> it's so funny because I feel as if we both talk really fast. So <laughs> we will try and add a few pauses <laughs> as we go. Yeah. When you were saying about being picked on and, and it's, you're, you were dreading being picked on, mm. when I went with my clients and they're talking about sitting in boardrooms and sitting in meetings and you go round that meeting table, okay, now let's all introduce ourselves. And, and that, that sheer terror of being yeah. picked on. So one of my clients calls that creeping death. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but you know it's coming round. So I, I, whenever I, I'm in running a session where people have to go round, rather than do creeping death or the register, <laughs> I do popcorn. Where basically, you pop up. You can do it in a random order, so yeah. people don't know they're going to be picked on. But even the the language you use there, picked mm. on. Are you picked on to speak aloud? Yeah. And, and I, I'm helping people to think. Don't feel as if you're being picked on. Feel as if it's your moment to shine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they look at me and go, "Yeah, right." <laughs> yeah, it's my moment to shine. But I, I love the idea of just feeling that you need to articulate this idea. Mm-hmm. So again, when I'm working with clients in in a kind of business environment, it is a, it's all about being able to share share your yeah. knowledge. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be the most beautiful painting or the well well thought through idea that that's going to be wow mm. groundbreaking it can just be an idea to do something better yeah a bit of a best practice idea but yeah. the point is is that we all have ideas and quite often people don't have the confidence to share them definitely so on that note let's talk about TEDx okay you're a creator of TEDx yeah. talks which is amazing and you've done you've, you've actually held at least three or four events yeah. yourself so and I've you've done, done three your own talk yeah so I'm really really interested mm-hmm. really interested in this so first of all the confidence that you need to do a TEDx <laughs> how what's it like when you talk to people who are about to do a TEDx because it's something that I haven't actually done yet yeah I would love to do and even though I speak all over the world all the time I'm still the thought of even the word TEDx makes me go ah yeah definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> So and what, what normally goes through people's minds when, they, when they're trying to 
think about this. It's it's surprising how many, yeah, we get a lot of speakers, people who are professional speakers, and TED is just something completely different. Like, they can be the most professional, experienced person ever. And TED just, A, it's the name and the reputation and the brand, but I think within that, what the reason they have that feeling is because the brand represents those ideas that are the most important to us and the most central and to who we are and what we've got to contribute. And I think that's why it puts that extra fear in people. And there was a lady and she, beautiful quote, and she was an introvert and, and she was talking about that. And so just her speaking, but she was a coach and she did lots of kind of training and stuff anyway, but she said, you know, she stands up in front of people, but the difference with this is this was her message and this was her putting her heart and her soul out there on a massive stage that, you know, there's a certain amount of it's being handed over to Ted and it stays up there and you don't have any control over being able to take it down and everything. Is That's in a different sphere and that's, I think, why people get that struggle with the confidence and, it, yeah, they've just got to go so much further and, and I think also that because it's shorter you've got like but you don't have to script you don't have to do a word for word script for ted but to be able to fit it into a that short time period you do need to put your idea under scrutiny and know a little bit more about what it is and this year i mean it's even harder with like virtual events where we told us normally it's 18 minutes max and we say we say aim for 15 this year we've said we gave them 10 we said it's online. People are not a virtual event. It's even harder to hold people's attention. So we're going to give you 10 minutes. And that's tough. Really tough. But that's well, what it, people listen to. The shorter the speech, sometimes the more difficult it is. Definitely. It's a bit like, that's is it Mark Twain that said, I, I, I wrote you a, a long letter because I didn't have time to write you a short yeah. one. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> definitely. But, but that's what people, you know, we all know that online content, we watch 60 second things. If it goes over a few, you know, minutes, we've probably switched off. So... And that's the, the trick. And that's where I think TED Talks are really powerful is because you're boiling down a life's worth of experience a lot of the time into, you know, 15, 10 minutes, whatever it may be. And that's why they're powerful because to be able to do that is hard. And, and the work that goes into cutting all the facts, like an onion getting to the core, you've got to go through the tears of the onion as well to get to that middle that's that's why for me ted ideas are like ted talks are, are kind of that that extra cherry on the cake that really special let's talk about your ted talk then so okay you did yours in india i did yeah <laughs> so you're not allowed to speak at your own event so i was never going to speak at folkestone and yeah like the 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 invite well no actually it came they came through and they were actually looking for they'd seen one of our other speakers and had approached them about speaking and they didn't actually want to do another one because they didn't have anything new to talk about. And so I was kind of thinking about various people I could. And then it was kind of niggling in my mind. I was like, oh, I'd quite, I'd quite like to do one, but never really. It's funny, not had the confidence in a way. Like I'm, I'm happy to help other people, but the confidence to do it myself and not thinking, well, do I have enough? And so I kind of went back to them and pitched them an idea. And they were like, OK, yeah, that sounds good. And, and so that's how that one came about, really. So if we Google Liu Bachelor, yep. Liu spell L-I-U Bachelor, Google yep. Liu Bachelor, it will be online, the yes. TEDx. Yeah. So tell me your title. What was your, what was, what was your talk about? <laughs> uh, so it's um, how to create the future you want without knowing what you want. Excellent. Oh, my goodness. And how did you even go about that? So how did you feel about it? How did you feel when you were approaching your moment? So, I mean, actually stepping on stage was... You know, the usual nerves, 
but but not that nerve-wracking because I knew I'd got it by then, right? And actually, I'll tell you what I was thinking. What the, the I was really nervous, but a, a natural nervous. And the thing that was brilliant for me was it was it was a the, the event was a little kind of haphazard, disorganized and stuff. Um, and it was, so it was a bit rushed and things like that. You know, in India, everything kind of runs late. But the the red spot that they had was, I don't know what had happened to the original one, but they'd done a, a bit of a makeshift one. And on camera, it looks fine because it's from a distance, but close up. And I just looked at it and I went, that's amazing because it just took all of the seriousness I was putting on, oh my God, this is a TEDx event, to, and that's a really crappy red spot. And that just completely brought me down to earth and a really like, you know what, just go out and enjoy it. Get over yourself. Stop being so, oh my God, this is my moment. Because it's not. And it's a little bit anti-motivational, but my talk was a little bit anti-motivational. But I, there comes a time with the speakers, with the speakers that I'm working with, where we'll say, you know, you've got to say, you know, the reality is some talks don't really take off. They don't really get the views because you just there's nothing wrong with your talk you just don't quite hit the mark and that's okay because the learning that you get along the way is so powerful anyway and I and and for me it's the the significance that people put on and actually I was talking to one of our speakers this year and she was she's so obsessed with making it the best thing she's ever done that she's just crippling herself rather than I was like you know what you know this it, you might get no views like you got to deal with that fact you it, it might not really getting, but that's the brilliant thing about the internet, right? Unless, unless it's really bad, you know, if it's just not as good as you want, it just will just disappear into the internet and no one will really view it. So you haven't lost anything. Like, yeah, you might not have lived up to your expectations, but it's not a bad thing and you just get that learning along the way. And uh, yeah, you sometimes that can be a good, the pill that people need to, like you said about the beginning, about the 80%. It's the only way you can move say, forward. So, so one, I got the 80% rule because... Uh, quite often you hit, there's lots of statistics and, and people talk about the Harvard Business Review where men are more likely to pipe up in a meeting if they're only 60% sure of what yeah. they're saying. Yeah. And a lot of men actually, when I've done events, for women's events in particular, men will say, I don't even need to be 60% sure. Yeah. I need to be way less. Whereas women need to be 110% <laughs> absolutely spot on. I've got to know everything. I cannot, um, you know, I don't bullshit. I yeah. know I have to know everything I, I before I before I pipe up in a meeting. So then I quite often say, you know, who who's actually who would be like who would be willing to go lower than 100% perfect mm. when it comes to communication? Because you're never going to be 100% perfect when yeah. you communicate. So so why don't we all make a pact now? to be 80% perfect, yeah. right? So hands up. And normally I get the whole room to put their hands up <laughs> at 80%. But but most most women want to be 100%. And most men are quite happy to be way less, yeah. right? That's in my experience. So I, I actually do, I am going to start a club called the 80% Perfect Club, yeah. which is purely just to say, don't try and be 100%. Mm. You'll never get there. Yeah. And, and you'll never just go, just go, go, definitely. go for it, right? Definitely. So do you, what do you think? 80%? What was your I, percentage? I'm, oh, much, much lower, way lower. <laughs> so, and this was the key difference. And, and actually, I talk about, this is some of the stuff that I talk about in my talk. But yeah, the, and, and I think the key shift for me was actually in starting and, and the, the TEDx event. Um, because 
I, I don't know what had shifted. Oh, no, I'll tell you what it was. It was a great book uh, by a guy called Ryan Holiday called Growth Hacking Marketing. It's a little bit like the lean startup, but a, a bit more condensed. And in there, it's it's talking about, you know, the, the theory of, of prototypes and, and being lean and, and put it, if you... If you what was it something about if you if everyone likes your idea you've launched you've done it too late or something and that kind of really resonated with me and I, I decided to go you know what if I don't quite know what my idea is I'm going to put it I'm going to speak and not care if anyone gets it or not I'm just going to be excited and being confident enough that they'd get excited by my excitement even if they didn't really know what I was talking about and actually it became my strength the reason the TEDx event I organised and the team that we managed to pull together for me has been a real turning point in my life and why it went so well was because I was, oh my God, I don't know, like 40% if that, but in the gaps, in the remaining 60%, I there was the space for other people to contribute. Like, I think my problem in the past was I'd work it all out and I'd say, right, this is how it's going to work and this is how it is and, you know, this is my plan. And everyone would be like, great, good for you. You know, you sound like you got it sorted. But if you go into a, a, a room and you say, and, and I basically put on this little event and said, I'm thinking of putting on this event, would anyone be interested? But I went, I've got this idea, wouldn't it be fun? What do you all think? And didn't have a plan. So a lot of people came up piped up with yeah but you'd need to do this and you need to do that and and I was like great cool do you want to do it like do you want to get involved and it enabled people to see where they could be a part of this as opposed to it being my idea and I'm going to hold on to it and not allow anyone in I went you know what I'm giving this idea away please take it please kind of butcher it but so that we can make it better and together and it was just having that, you know what, I'm going to be the one and I am totally passionate and I'm 100% about my vision and what I believe we can achieve. But I am like 40% in terms of how we do it, what we need and things like there was a great lady um, who was involved for like a number of years and she loved her, her, her hand went up and she was like, I'll do, I'm a project manager. I'll do the Gantt charts. And I was like, brilliant. Like, cause I can do that stuff and I have done it in the past, but I don't enjoy it. It's not my strength. And so it allowed me to be the excitable uh, kind of, I guess the, you know, the, the, the one championing the vision and allowing other people to play to their strengths and, I think that's not only in terms of sharing ideas, but building an audience. The less you, every time, whenever in meetings, whenever I've been struggling and I'm a bit like stuck in any way, normally it's because I'm trying to have all the answers. As soon as I go, okay, I don't quite know how we should move forward. That's when things move forward because I invite contribution. And when you invite people to contribute and allow them to bring their ideas, you I can be like, amazing. That's oh, I never would have thought of that. Like, and then they, do you want to go off and do that? Would you be happy to take ownership of that? And then they have responsibility and and they want to do it because it's their idea. No one wants to do an idea that someone else has told them, right, you have to do this. We, we love coming up with our own ideas and being able to contribute them. So yeah, key, massive, massive turning point. And more and more, I th- that's how we work with our speakers is open your mouth and just let it tumble out and will it'll all tumble out on the table what you do and what you don't want to say and will then be able to work out okay you know when that bit came out of your mouth it didn't feel right it felt inauthentic great we can get rid of that but that bit your eyes just completely lit up when you said those few lines that's something important let's focus on that and i use a lot both for myself and for other people 
I don't know when it's in my head. When it's in my head, it's a big old mess. When it comes out, I use speaking as an act of finding what I'm excited about and what I'm not because maybe I'm just a, I'm a bit lazy of working out in my head anymore. I used to a lot, but I don't anymore because it's so much hard work. It might be because you're you, that's the extrovert in you because sometimes yeah. the words have to live outside your head. Yeah. So let's go. Let's get on to tips. And I'm writing down furiously. So I'm thinking, <laughs> right. So if you're only forty percent perfect, you're willing to be forty percent perfect, which is unreal. But you're a hundred percent confident in your own conviction. So, so yeah. I think there's a hundred percent confidence on one hand, but in terms of perfection, you're willing to go way down the perfection scale. Definitely. In order to open your mind and let other people in. Definitely. So I, there's a big theme here. So in terms of let's let's do some really good solid takeaway tips okay. now. It sounds to me like one of your tips is share. Oh, share your idea. Massively. Share your vision. Share so other people can come and help you. Yep. But but more importantly, just it's about sharing. I mean, that's the whole yeah. nature of TEDx, right? Yeah, sharing definitely. your ideas. Definitely. Share for your share for yourself. Like feedback is a massive thing. We push our speakers a lot to go out and get feedback. Because Ooh. I know everyone hates it, <laughs> but the thought of that makes me scared. I mean, the first thing I always say is the first person you're sharing this for is yourself. Because you will open your mouth and some of it will feel, you'll feel super nervous. And if you stumble, great, because it tells you there's something not quite right with that bit because you've stumbled or maybe you can't get your words out. Whereas if there's another bit where suddenly you start taking off and it just flows, right, that, that tells you something. So first and foremost, you're share, you share for yourself. Secondly, like at the end of the day, you're sharing this idea. You're not, it's not, you're doing this talk for others and to understand where what they take from it but I think the key thing a lot of people ask for feedback they say what do you think and it's common for people want everyone wants to help your friends and family whoever it may be colleagues they want to help so they'll try to be the best critiques and but they'll give you advice a lot of the time on your talk and ultimately you've got to find what's right for your talk and they are knowing that they're speaking from their experience their opinion right whereas what I like to do and encourage people to do is when you ask for feedback, ask things like, okay, what's the feeling you're left with? You know, what one line really stood out for you? Because you're, rather than it being feedback, use them as a prototype. And if they hate it, okay, actually, you can learn so much, right? That's going to be, if they hate it, you might be like, well, actually, you're trying to be controversial because you're trying to shake things up. Or it may be that one person hates it, one person loves it. And you can go, great. Okay, so the person who loves it, what's their background? Where are they coming from? What's, as an audience prototype, um, profile? An avatar. Where do they fit? An avatar, yeah. Where are they? Okay, so that audience is going to love it. But that audience might hate it. Okay, am I happy with that? Or do I want to adjust that? And prototypes, prototypes all the time. That's how I think is. And that's where I have the confidence to share things when at a really low percentage of perfection. Because I'm going, I am not sharing this to be right or wrong I'm sharing this to find out what people think so that I can improve and that iteration process I mean in my talk my the big line the big takeaway was explore and experiment and when my life flows it's because I am in an experimental mode of let's find out what happens versus oh my god I've worked on this thing really hard it better go well that is or you know this is a really important thing it's got to be right now that I, I completely that's where I lose my confidence experimenting because you're not it's detaching from a set outcome and life we can't control it right so it's a little bit of a go with the flow type thing but uh 
if you just go with the flow, you can end up drifting hopelessly all over the place. Whereas an experiment, the idea of it as an experiment is to, right, I've got a theory, but I don't know if it's true or not, so I'm going to test it in the real world. And, and actually, a lot of the time when scientists have, their experiments have gone, you know, in inverted commas, wrong, that's where they've got the biggest insight. So explore and experiment is, for me, the key thing. I love that because also what you're doing there is you're giving yourself permission to have a go. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just thinking now when I'm helping my clients to be more confident in meetings and in this virtual world and on camera, people are like, do you do this? What do you do with your hands? And people ask me quite black and white tips about mm-hmm. confidence on camera and how yep. to perform and how to speak and how to speak up in meetings. And actually, it's not it's not as black and white as yeah. well. Use your right hand to do that. <laughs> Don't gesture. Yeah. Do gesture. At this mm-hmm. point, tilt, tilt your head to the left. You know, it's not quite, you can't really give those sorts of yeah. instructions. So I quite often find myself saying, experiment, experiment with it, your interrupter. You know, we yeah. talk about how do you interrupt somebody? <laughs> yeah. How do you interrupt the, the speaker? So I say experiment with using their name. Experiment with. And mm-hmm. so I, I quite like the... the Definitely. Um, I'm going to start using that more because, you know, when people say, what do you wear on camera? So I say, well, you know, black's a bit of a no-no because it makes you look like you're going to a funeral. You know, a splash of colour's good. But, you yeah. know, oh, are you telling me to wear red? So I'm not telling you to wear a red yeah. jacket, but just... So I say, experiment, have fun with your yeah. wardrobe. Yeah. Get some makeup out, try different shades of lipstick. And for you men as well. Yeah, it's finding <laughs> what's powder. Yeah, it's finding what's right for you, isn't it? And and yeah. for me, that's what the key. And it can be hard. And like I said about when you're asking for someone for feedback, it can be easy for them to try want to help by giving you the answer. But yeah, same thing. I always try and try not to give advice to the speakers. But the first question, you know, how does it feel for you? And they know where it did or didn't feel right or sound good, and they can if they just ask the question and give them the chance to explore it they can self-analyze and write down to exactly like you're saying what do I wear you know how should I move around lots or should I do I gesture do too I much? walk you know yeah. do I move around am I, am I swaying too much am yeah. I doing this too much so we've got we've got let's get let's get a couple of tips so, so one thing one really important thing is just think I'm sharing it's fine yep. another really important tip I'm getting from you is explore yep. it's okay if it's yeah. not perfect <laughs> definitely in fact my big you know again the biggest tip in life is if you wake up in the morning and think I'm only going to try and be 80% perfect today anyway, so I might as well just go for it. Yeah. I might as well pipe up in that meeting. Definitely. I might as well just pipe up doing a TED Talk. I might as well just go and put that... Yep. I'm going to go for it and stand up and speak, not necessarily in TEDx conditions, but my, I always encourage people to, to speak. Just always make sure that Definitely. you get your voice heard and yeah. sharing your ideas. Definitely. Now, I have a, another question for you then, because you, you mentioned earlier about one of your speakers. You said she was... You know, she wanted her expectations were so high, and she was beating herself up. And you, I think you used the words, you know, she was crippled with anxiety, mm. <laughs> crippled. And, and and I can just, I mean, TEDx is probably one of the it's the ultimate test of confidence and anxiety. Um, what what advice do you give people when they are crippled with anxiety? Normally, I will kind of disc initially anyway move away from anything to do with the public speaking bit the bit that people would think and I always go to the to what are you saying what's what's not right what do you feel uncomfortable or is inauthentic in what you're saying because both personally I've experienced it and we're working with other people is when someone is confident about what they want to say the you'll still be nervous but you'll be you you are 
yeah, you see the power, you're like, this needs to be heard, this needs to be said, because it's going to be a contribution, or it's completely authentic to me, so I can, I can put it out, and not, maybe not not care, but it, it's, know that people, some are going to like it, some are going to not, because it's authentic to us, whereas when people are nervous, it's because something is misaligned between what they want to say, and what they're actually saying, and, you know, we, okay, a great example of this is, we had a lady who spoke a couple of years ago. She was a professional speaker. She spoke all the time for work with massive audience, much bigger than our audience was on the day. And she'd been she'd been great at going out and getting feedback. She was nailing it the whole way through, right? She took on a particular bit of feedback and she was a bit unsure about it, right? And so she stepped out onto the rehearsal and she just completely froze. Like nothing came out of her mouth. She was like, she just squeaked. And she said it was the scariest thing ever because she she's never experienced that before and it was because she'd taken on board a little bit of feedback in her opening to her talk that wasn't what she wanted to say she'd taken it on board because she thought she should and because of the topic was a little bit sensitive she'd gone okay I'm, I'm gonna but it wasn't her message to share like yes it was an important message but not hers that wasn't her aim when she got rid of that it just flowed because that wasn't her message and and the reason we struggle to share is because it's not that we're you know there is obviously the the public speaking kind of side of it but for me my what I've seen is first and foremost if we're confident and clear in what we want to say the speaking comes naturally or you can allow it to come naturally and authentically when it's not that's when it's out of line and again this lady this particular lady that that I said was kind of crippled with the I think for her it was a lot of perfectionism but she a big switch for her was she was in her initial style of talk she was being quite confrontational she wanted to shake up the industry right she did want things to change and she was getting a lot of feedback like you're not being aggressive with it enough because of the words she was using but her tone and the way she spoke didn't line up right so People were unsure about her, the way she was delivering, and she was unsure. And then we were having a conversation, and it just kind of evolved naturally that actually her way of being and how she works is she's a, like more of a guide, or she will she's the facilitator between the client and you know the candidate, for example. And she is does it in a gentle way. And when she switched, just slight subtle tweaks in her wording and the same content, but the slight wording suddenly she had the freedom to talk about it because it was authentic and she wasn't shouting at people saying you're wrong which wasn't her style she was saying you know what like we we've all got a problem here right stuff's not quite working so I'm gonna help pull the two sides together and I'm gonna be the coach or the, the guide that's bringing and again just switching that gave her the confidence to go out and say what she needed to say. See I quite often in, in my experience working in business are quite often women are, are much less likely to feel confident to speak up mm -hmm. and share mm -hmm. have you found that do you find that women and men have a different kind of uh, confidence threshold or anxiety monitor well what do you find in your experience? yeah um I think so yeah now I think back I, I tend not to think too much kind of and, and separate kind of men and women too much but yeah thinking about it I think I do and they will be more I think also there's an element of them they'll be more vocal about it whereas when interviewing some of the like a, a big group of speakers like for my book I think the men are nervous as well they just won't necessarily speak up because they won't want to be seen as kind of vulnerable or emotional about it whereas the women will whether they have 
it's hard to tell whether they are more nervous or whether they're just more vocal about their nerves. But yeah, I think women will, and we don't want to upset people. And often in the nature of a TED talk is, you know, we won't select someone who's saying, if someone, if everyone would agree with your idea, those aren't the ideas we're looking for. We're looking for the ones on the edge that are pushing the boundaries, right? So and I often, and they'll be like, oh, I'm worried about getting trolls. And what will people say? And I'm like, we've selected you because you're doing something different. So you will get trolls. You will get trolls. You will get people who disagree <laughs> with you. And if you didn't, well, then you're not saying anything worth saying. You're just being agreeable to everybody. So I think women will definitely, maybe they're just a bit more receptive to, to those things. Um, and maybe a little bit um, unsure, risk averse. Maybe a little yeah. bit more risk averse. Yeah. Um, so an- another tip I've just picked up from you then. It's okay to be Marmite. It's okay. Yeah. Some people won't like you. Definitely. Some people will love you. Yeah. But you you have to. You will never please everybody all of the time. Definitely. Definitely. And if you have got some sort of controversial idea or any idea. Not everyone's going to like it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Which is another reason why you don't always want your friends and family to be your critiques. Yeah. Because they're probably the first people to say, I don't like it. Yeah. Because it's you. And they'll be trying to protect you, won't they? Especially yeah. if you're going to be a little bit kind of pushing the boundaries, they might be trying to protect you. And, and yeah, a number, I've had a number of people say that. that their, their colleagues were like, oh, are you sure you want to say that? And and that's a personal thing, isn't it? How comfortable you are, and and some people love it. They're like, yeah. But that's where knowing your audience is quite important, and and it's a very hard thing to do, and it's one of those things that you have in you know business books and all sorts of things. Know your audience, and the reality it's one is one of my mantras. Yeah, but it's very hard to know your audience. But again, this goes yeah. back to the power of feedback. Test it on loads of different people, and you will find out who your audience with, because they'll either love it or they won't, or you know, those that you want to change. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the future. So do you think, just first of all, before we talk about your book, Mm -hmm. do you think there's going to be way more virtual events generally in the world from what from Hmm. what you've experienced? Uh, Interesting. I guess it's, that's kind of, you know, at the moment we're kind of maybe on that turning point of are we going to, I think there definitely will be for now. I... I think there'll be an interesting switch as we kind of come out and maybe start to go to the, the more of the new normal. I think there'll there'll be a divide and almost in-person events will become stronger because we know the value of an in-person event, but also we know the value of a virtual event and they're very different. And so hopefully it will develop as two separate kind of categories with their own strengths for their own reasons. And you do a virtual, virtual events have loads of benefits, but in-person events have loads of benefits. So I think they will, but they'll both become stronger. I mean, I think the virtual events just generally need to be shorter, <laughs> in my <laughs> yeah. opinion. Yeah. The virtual world, is it, your head explodes because you, there's so many things that you're doing at the same time. Yeah. You're looking at the chat room, you're listening, to the, you're listening to the speaker, you're contributing, you're on a panel, you're listening to a panel. I think having uh, trying to replicate a, some sort of conference or even a half day uh, online is really, really quite tiring. It gives you a headache. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the idea of all the virtual chat rooms and things. So, so I think we should have really good virtual events because you can have people from all over the world, all mm. in the same room. I think they need to be shorter. Yes, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely agree. And and you know, and that's why I guess TED talks are the length they are, and why TED are advising organisers to make their t- them shorter because exactly what you're saying, everything's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. It does make things harder for you know anyone wanting to speak and present ideas and all those sorts of things, but. But that's where you have the impact, isn't it? It's, it's shorter. 
I love the idea of, of 10 minute TED Talks though. I mean, mm. I think the mini TED Talk, I've seen quite a lot of mini TED Talks anyway. The TEDx tend to be shorter than the main TED uh, well, not according to the the rules. There's no kind of restriction. It's all the same as what a TED would be. But yeah, they can be, and and I think that's the thing because there'll be more local events and 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 from all different sorts. Yes, you can have shorter ones. And actually, we as well as the ten minute ones, we we had a, we were only going to have five speakers this this coming year, but there were three extra that we just couldn't say no to. And so we get we were like, okay, we can't give you a full slot, but we want to give you a three minute slot. So they have got a massive challenge for themselves you know to get They've their idea nano talk and that exactly <laughs> nano but, but some but they're amazing because you know it's even more boiled down which is going to make it even more appealing and digestible i love the idea of that what i love about tedx anyway is the whole nature of it living on online anyway yeah. it lives after the event the event is only one is a recording of it yeah and actually it's a recorded it's all recorded that's Definitely. what makes it TEDx. That's what makes it TED. Um, so just quickly tell me about your book. You're writing a book. Yes. Um, give us a couple of a little heads up, a little uh, pearls of wisdom from your book. <laughs> so um, the book is basically I interviewed like uh, 25 speakers from my previous events and a couple of other events to find out their journey and the emotional roller coaster of how they found their idea. So it's lots of little bits and of, of people when you know, they, everyone has a breakdown, like everyone wants to quit. And we say this to our speakers at the beginning, like you will want to quit at some point in this process. It's just a matter of when, and almost the sooner you want, you hit it, the better, like hit the wall nice and early because I've had, you know, it's that we've had speakers before who have had feedback, have been quite perfectionist about their ideas and hold on, held onto it quite tight. And then they've maybe got feedback towards the end. And one speaker who, had to completely rewrote his talk in a week before his event. He had like three months plus to develop this. He got some feedback. Someone identified a fundamental assumption he'd made, which was wrong. And he had to completely change it because he was like, he's right. It's not that I, you know, he was gave me something that I disagree with. I agree with him. Oh my God, what do I do? I change my talk. But it's better as a result and that you can memorize it in that time. <laughs> And um, you're making me really nervous. Yeah, <laughs> just the thought of having to change it at the last minute and the panic and but, the anxiety. But what's brilliant? And there was another speaker again who wasn't quite so close to the wire with this guy, but he he was quite reserved. We didn't hear much of his talk all the way through, but hearing when I interviewed him, like he was really putting himself under the pressure behind the scenes. It was brilliant. But he was he he wrote his talk super quickly right at the beginning. He was refining it and tweaking it for months. And it just was getting worse and worse and worse. And then he had a conversation with his dad and his dad was like, oh, well, it's all basically just rubbish, isn't it? And he was like, and he could, for every argument his dad had against his, his idea, he had a, a account, he could defend it. He just didn't have the time to fit all of that in his talk. And then I think it apparently he just went, he went to sleep and he was trying to sleep and he just suddenly, it just popped into his head the the first line and he wrote his talk in like five minutes basically and then the next day just kind of fiddled tweaked it and he said for months he couldn't remember it and then he wrote that new talk and just instantly he knew it because it was the like I said about the experiment and the iteration those other process had been testing and refining and tweaking and he kind of had got ended up with a messy page by the end so he needed to throw that all away and then what he could write was totally authentic and as a result he could memorize it so actually you can memorize it in a super quick time it going back to the original point if it's the right talk for you and it's what you want to say 
It's like you have to embody your message. Definitely. You have to, you have to live it, breathe it. You, you have to be walking and talking your message. So, Definitely. so maybe my TED Talk is something about be 80% perfect today. Yeah. <laughs> something like that, which is um, something that I, I really, it's, that's changed my life. Even I have to remind myself because I think I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a perfectionist. I'm so not a perfectionist. <laughs> I really know I'm not perfect. Yeah. But I have to remind myself to, to have the confidence. But I love that idea that everyone's like about to quit. Everyone goes through the same process. Yeah. It's so funny. There was one. There was one session where the um we this was when we could do in person things. So we we do a lot of workshops for our speakers, which is quite a unique thing. Not all events do that. And there was nine speakers that year, and and a couple of a group of five of them were all late. And then when they rocked up, basically they'd um, they'd gone for drinks beforehand. They'd gone for like a wine or whatever. Um, a group of the five girls, and but it was brilliant because it was because one of them had was going through a dip and she was having that. Oh my god, I can't do this. But all of the others had rallied around and be like, "Yep, I was like that last week. I was like that last month." Because they all got where she was at in the process. And and often you get a freedom that comes when you go. You know what? F this. Like. <laughs> I'm I'm taking it too seriously, and that's when you and you and you're coming up against this wall of it has to be perfect, it has to be perfect, it has to be perfect. And then you're like, oh god, I can't be dealing with this anymore. And then you go, okay, but I'm still excited about this, so let's let's go for it. But with the freedom of yeah, you're eighty percent, you're whatever it is, and I'm just gonna open my mouth and and say it and see what happens. Well, Liu, I'd love to speak to you again when your book's out. Thank you so much for joining Thank me you. today. And the message that we are gonna leave you with, our last thought is. Share your ideas. Don't try and be perfect. Definitely. One last word from you, Liu. Uh, I'd say, yeah, the answer is not the answer and share it to find it. Like open your mouth and that's how you'll find it. If you don't know what, if, if you can't work out what's in your head, open your mouth and it will tumble out. You'll find it. Thank you very much. Thank you.